Welcome, Strikers. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Striker Thoughts. I'm your host, William Sal. For those just tuning in, Striker Thoughts is a podcast aimed at sharing innovation ideas, lessons learned, and discussions on the hottest topics within Global Strike Command. I have two very special guests with me today, and I'll let them introduce themselves. Sir, we'll start with you. Hey, I'm Lieutenant Colonel Warren Carroll, Iron Man's uh, my call sign. Uh, I'm a reservist in the 307th Bomb Wing. I've been working in uh, innovations, kind of uh, in the realm of Global Strike Command for the last couple of years, and then uh, now uh, kind of with the Reserves Wing partnering in, uh, kind of tying all these efforts together, trying to leverage uh, what the Reserves does and, and our civilian expertise with some of the innovation projects we got going within the command. Awesome, awesome. All right, and uh, I'm Major Wolf. I'm in the 307th OSS, and I'm also running the spark cell for the, the reserve side of the wing here at Barksdale. So uh, the LR Works, what we're calling ourselves, Long Ranger Works. So again, doing a lot of these innovative projects. Um, I'm also leading the um, virtual reality pilot procedures trainer that we've we've uh, stood up for the formal training unit for the B-52. So kicking that off and then expanding to other innovative projects as well. Uh, just trying to leverage, again, that reserve side uh, with the, the active duty and working together in that capacity. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so today's a very special episode. I don't think we've interviewed any uh, anyone from the reserve side as of yet, so you guys are definitely uh, the first. So, you know, this podcast is definitely about innovation, which you guys are, are steeped in. You know, I've seen you here at our Friday uh, meetings at, at StrikeWorks here. So w- what are your thoughts on how innovation is going within Air Force Gold Strike Command? Well, I, I, I think, uh, man, it's really cool to see as we kind of engage in this culture change. You know, we're, we're starting out, you know, we've been charged, you know, from the chief of staff level all the way down to go, hey, we need to solve our problems and we have uh you know we need solutions that are outside the normal and the the existing approaches and the the existing ways we do it you know could be improved upon and uh and that's what we're seeking to do and it's really cool as we kind of engage in this task there's a lot to be done that being said you know uh, we get a lot of uh pushback you know we talk about kind of the frozen middle sometimes and right. we have an idea you know that that comes from the grassroots and then you have you know leadership on the top going hey this is great but then kind of in between the idea and implementation there's a lot of uh you know a lot of obstacles to overcome whether it's you know the the regulations for this or the approval process for that uh, well i love working in that space of like let's o- overcome those barriers and and put these grassroots ideas uh, into implementation so it's a culture change, though, and it's going to take some time you know, for this to and be. And really, it comes down to getting people to find a way to yes instead of it's real easy to say no and just to go, hey, here's all the AFI, you know, whatever bureaucratic, you know, roadblocks mm-hmm. to whatever it is you want to do. So everyone acknowledges, hey, it's a great idea, but then getting it implemented and, and overcoming those obstacles, that's the difficult part. And what's different about right now, you know, because this isn't new, this innovation stuff. There's been AFSO 21, Tiger Teams, you know, all these different, mm-hmm. you know, things with labels that were really innovation and change within the organization. But I think what's different now is, again, that top-down, that leadership impetus to get that change going. And, and everyone from the top is embracing that. So, again, now it's... Well, hey, if you have the support from the superiors, 
now it just comes down to well, how do we get to that yes uh, and what I think the where we're still running into some some of the same problems as before is that risk aversion like we we right. as an organization as as the Air Force as big Air Force as yeah. big Air Force we are risk averse so that's where people are going I don't want to lose my job or get put in jail or this or that and it's like okay well if your leadership is really looking out for you and saying hey we need to change things then we need to take some smart calculated risks right. not uh, just do stuff right you know and take any risks you know but it's one of those things where we need to start taking more risks because that's the price that we're going to have to pay in order to really embrace this culture of change yeah, failing, failing fast, right? Exactly. Brandon, I think as you talk about that, man, the, the risk, you know, that we take, you know, we'll, we'll acknowledge that, hey, let's make this change. This is going to be a risk. But what we usually fail to acknowledge is that staying the same is a risk, too. Because uh, absolutely. Because when we don't, when we're not getting better, you know, we're, we're right. getting worse. Right. We're, we're, we're staying the same. Falling, worse. falling yeah. behind. Right. Falling behind our adversaries. And, you I, know, people are working it's hard funny, on this. It's funny you say that because just like last week, I talked to our PA people on the reserve side and I said, hey, we need to get like a poster printed that just says, our adversary got better today. What did you do? Yep. Yep. Because uh, that's yeah. what it comes down to, really. It, it does. I mean, it does. We're not, we're not sitting back you know, at the top of the pile, just like, you know, hanging out, we, we have to keep that edge, right. that competitive edge against our adversaries. That's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. And people are so easy to forget that because we're not engaged in a conflict, you right. know, an active all out conflict with a near peer or peer adversary right now. Right. But and, that could and happen. We, right? Exactly. And we can't afford to just kind of rest on our laurels, you know, in, exactly. in a matter of speaking and just say, okay, you know, we're the we're the baddest, we're the best. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll just kind of take it for granted, right? Because people who are behind us, you know, are, they're trying to get better. That mm-hmm. They are trying to be that number one superpower, if you will. And so, yeah, we have to do everything we can to stay out in front of that for sure. And buying down risk, you know, taking risks, that is part of that game. Um, I don't know how else you can fail fast without doing that. So talk to us a little bit about your trainer, because I feel like in a sense, before before you guys got to that, that was at one point in time looked at as risky, right? I, I can't train anybody in a video game, right? right so right. so talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So bottom line, um, you know, first off, it is a virtual reality cockpit uh, right now for the pilots. Uh, and it's an interactive cockpit that walks you through the checklist for all the different normal procedures that we do in the B-52. So what we did was we actually ran an experiment with, with the um, students and we had them with no training whatsoever. We gave them this device, if you will. We had them throw on the headset and log 20 hours in, in this trainer walking them through the checklist and then we took them to the simulator and then compared them with the students that had just finished the academic course the two-month academic course oh wow and we're about to start flying the airplane and they actually made slightly fewer errors the the vr students made That's slightly crazy. fewer errors yeah and so yeah and we're we're writing a paper on it right now so we'll go into all the the nerdy details you know if you gotcha. will but the point is you know and we didn't, we didn't have any instructors helping them do this. Right. We just said, here it is, go. Right. Right. And so they were able to practice and go through the checklist. 
and learn in an interactive environment versus just reading a book and then being expected to do it or right. watching a video or uh, watching a, a computer-based training you know module and just going okay they're telling me what to do and so you know I flip this switch and some lights should come on but right. you know until you actually see that and experience it and do it a few times it's a little more difficult so we're trying to leverage these new technologies to you know again uh, lighten the workload on the instructor core overall um, but also just give students access to the working environment and give them practice and exposure most people are are kinesthetic or visual learners or a combination of the two. They prefer that style of learning. So we need to meet them in that space and go, okay, well, you just need to practice, then then go in there and do it. Right, if, right. If we're, if we're only giving them one or two simulator missions because you know everyone else is trying to use the simulator, then we're just limited to, again, PowerPoints and, and reading and everything like that. Well, we've already shown that's not an effective way to teach someone especially something as you know interactive as flying an airplane Definitely. you know running a running a, a checklist in an air, aircraft so giving them that opportunity to see it to walk through it to have that guided instruction where they can look around and they feel like they're in the seat mm -hmm. is way and and what it's way more beneficial and the other thing that you know it, it also provides is you know it, it provides them an opportunity to be in the seat to go through it you know multiple times uh and, and not having to to wait until they get into the actual airplane well know? yeah i mean you know how the training usually goes like when i went to pilot training you know i mean whatever task it is we got powerpoint slideshows i got a book i need to read and then i'm studying and I'm memorizing key details and then what I went home, what what I did, you know, at, at, after hours, went home and I sat with my chair with this poster on the wall, <laughs> and I would imagine myself right. visualize, visualize in an airplane, doing the checklist, doing the things that I need to do. How am I going to, you know, mentally rehearsing every right. step of what we do? And uh, I think what we're seeing and what we're trying to determine through this experiment with this virtual reality trainer is. Hey, can I can I prove that this is more effective than me closing my eyes and working with that poster and mentally rehearsing what I'm gonna do? Absolutely, absolutely. So another question I want to ask you guys and get your your perspective on is, you know, part of our earlier conversation was our adversaries are trying to get better, right? They're trying to overtake us in certain areas. So what, in your eyes, is the most area of most opportunity or vulnerability for us you know what is that next competitive space is it the cyberspace domain is it you know we got the space force now is it in space you know what is that next area do you think if if you know that then can you tell us because <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're exploring right, right? we're trying right. to figure out right we're we're using we're leveraging new technology in terms of you know the video game world with you know and then with the way that people learn um, and some of those technologies where, uh, you know, it's a, a lot to do with visual, you know, screens and things like that for training purposes. We're seeing a lot of effectiveness there, um, but it's not limited to that. And then, yeah, where's the, the next fight going to be? Well, that's, that's a great question, but I think we're already seeing it a little bit in terms of it's the computer world, you know, right. the, the network 
you know, the, that kind of domain that we're seeing, there's no, there's no rules right now, right? And so people are starting to figure out that space and we're starting to use it to their advantage. I mean, you see, you know, election hacking and, and things like that. And I mean, there's so many ways that they're, they're weaponizing, you know, kind of that domain. So I think that cyber domain is huge right now, especially because there's no clear cut lines. And then I know the army has taken a huge, like uh, a good stance on stepping up that game. And then now the air force is kind of following suit a little bit, trying to, trying to step up their cyber game because they realize, hey, this is a, a threat, a vulnerability, and it's also an opportunity for us too. So like more of those soft, it's not, the, not as much the kinetic world as, as we're training to and used to back in the day. It's going to be a little bit more, you know, hearts and minds and, you know, that, that realm with, with the cyber world. You know, right. we're seeing that for sure. Right. Yeah, definitely. Well, just as I as I think about that question, you know, I, I I think the things that we experiment on, the innovation that we engage in, the projects that we pursue, I want to, you know, if General Ray looked at me and said, said, hey, you know, if I had one more dollar to spend, how would it be most effective in terms of the combat capability for Global Strike Command? I want to go, hey, sir, this is it. Right. And then and, and tell him, hey, Put your dollar here because this is going to be effective for us, and it's it's a it's a game changer, different way of doing things, not not an additive improvement, but an exponential kind of a multiplier where you, where you go, hey, this is this is radically different, and you know what, it might work, and this is why I think it might work, and then uh, and you can decide to try it, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and give it a shot. Yeah, definitely. I I think that's you know. That, that would be my approach to it as well. Um, and I think finding that niche is is definitely what innovation's all about. Um, I think we're dabbling in it right now. I think we're just touching the surface. Um, it's gonna be you know astounding where it goes five, 10 years from now, right? What that innovation space looks like, right. for sure. Well, and with the rapidly advancing technology, what we're seeing is because there's a commercial need for these things and because the commercial industry is rapidly accelerating you know the products because it, it all comes down to a profit for these companies so they're able to rapidly develop these technologies so now where whereas normally the military is on the forefront in terms of advancing advancing technologies now we're kind of like almost in the back seat a little bit or just along for the ride so what we're having to do is we're having to outsource and we're having to go, hey, company X, can right. you build us this or design, you know, leverage that private this, industry. Yeah, exactly. Write this software for us. And that's what we're doing with our procedures trainer is we went through the AppWorks Cyber process. And so now this small business out of Baton Rouge got their, got their start, you know, more or less building this trainer for us. And I think that was part of the reason why we've had such, such success with this is in a, a matter of a year, we were able to build a fully functional cockpit, you know, B-52 cockpit, which is very complex, a lot oh, of yeah. different switches and, and things of that nature. But the we were able to do it and not have to go through the years of contracting and, you know, and all that, the other processes that just slow us down to just like, you know, where by the time the product is actually made, it's it's already outdated. Right. You know? right. So it's we obsolete. were able to exactly <laughs> we were able to 
developed this and it was, you know, me and a couple other people at the very lowest levels working directly with the contractor to build it the way that, you know, we thought that it should be right. and the way that it would work best for our students instead of, you know, someone who's maybe out of the loop kind of directing it. And then again, the, the warfighter gets it in their hands and they go, well, this doesn't do what I want it to do. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, it would have been nice if they would have designed it this way, but it's, it's little things like that that make the difference yeah and it really sure. and and it puts a bad taste in people's mouth when they go who designed this thing this is terrible right right and and again this is something this was a great idea years ago like over a decade ago that right. this was like a construct or a, a, an idea and so now it's there well how do you change it oh my goodness if you right. had to go through the process to change that just to swap out one keyboard or something right, right. oh my goodness i couldn't even imagine the, well, the mountains a, of that's paperwork. a great thing to think about i mean necessity is the mother of invention right exactly. and so you know that's the the kind of grassroots ideas that that you know we're looking for airmen to, to just go hey well i don't i don't like how this works i i think there's a better way to do it and then we mm -hmm. you know look at that figure out the better way to do it and then let's do it differently. Right. right. And right. that's the, that's the part, like that's the crux of it all. Like empowering the airmen to, to affect the change. Right. right. That's what the difference is. I think with this strong push for innovation in the recent future, in the recent past is like the, the leadership realizes, Hey, these, these people at the lowest levels have the, the good ideas or, Maybe, you know, for us reservists, you know, a lot of us on the outside, you know, in our civilian capacity, maybe we're doing the exact same thing, but for a commercial company. And it's like, yeah, we, we have this really easy way of doing this. And it's Utilize like, it, leverage it. Right. And so now that leadership, you know, like is, is empowering this innovation, well, now we have to find a way to empower the airmen to, to get it done. Because there's, there's no shortage of good ideas. But there's a, a definite shortage of people who will bring it to completion and giving and, and giving the airmen the resources and the funding uh, to and the time to make those things a reality. Right, right. Awesome. So we're just about out of time. Um, I'm going to give you guys uh, uh, some last parting shots. If you have anything for our listeners um, that you'd like to impart on them or you know leave them with. Well, I, I'd, I'd just like to say, you know, whatever ideas you got at home, whatever things you, you dabble in in your spare time, your free time, you know, if you go, hey, well, I like doing this at home, you know, we could probably in the Air Force, whether it's your your job, like the like the crew chief you talked to this week, who is a software engineer in a, you know, in a, in a different life, you know, in his outside world, but, you know, he's a crew chief on the B-52, and it's like, man, how could we combine and leverage the the brain power that he's got and the knowledge and talent and skills he's got in his outside job with the with the work that he does for the air force and that's what we're kind of trying to do in the reserves but everybody is like that you got skills and talents and and uh you know just uh, areas of interest that would probably be of value uh to the air force if you applied that knowledge in the right way and and that is where some of the best ideas come from Awesome. How about you, sir? Last thing I'll say is, you know, everyone is an innovator. Like, no offense to Lieutenant Colonel Carroll here or you, but there's nothing special about us, really. I mean, yeah. honestly, but the, the difference is 
we're putting our heart and soul into this, buying into this innovation, right? And trying to make it happen and doing this on our free time or doing this, you know, taking, you know, again, with your, your, your leadership empowering you, like that's my leadership has empowered me to do this and to go after some of these projects. So they've allowed me the time to do that. So again, there's nothing special about me stepping, but guess what? I'm going after it. And that's what we have to have. That's the, that's that striker culture that we're trying to get across the board. If everyone has that mindset, then we're going to see things happening way, way quicker than, than they are now. And, and we'll start to see those changes, see those, you know, innovative solutions come to life versus just, Oh, it's a good idea. Maybe someone would do it eventually right. in the future. But yeah, that, that everyone has to be on board. Right? right. That implementation is key for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, I want to thank you guys for joining me and definitely for your insightful thoughts. If you found this episode valuable, please share it with your coworkers and anyone else you think could benefit from it. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at info at strikeworks.com. As always, thank you for your time, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Striker Thoughts. Remember, change or get left behind. Strikers out.